This is Derek of Gilboa Foods. Have you ever been to the supermarket and gone, hey, where the hell are the jetpack aisles? Well, now thanks to Gilboa Foods lobbying efforts, you will now find a jetpack aisle in every single supermarket that sells Gilboa Foods. Thanks to Gilboa Foods, you will be flying high. Gilboa Foods. I got to ask you something. Yeah. Have you always been jetpack obsessed? Like when you were a kid, is that the number one science fiction-y thing that you wanted? Yeah. Really? Like seriously? Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to think. You know what it was? I can tell you exactly why. Why? Boba Fett. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I love. He, he was such a cool character. I loved right. the figure. I loved that idea of being able to fly around and and but still having all that maneuverability and I want um to try one of those water ones that you put on and it's you know water coming out at a really high volatile mm-hmm. pressure and you fly around and I think it's cool and it would give you that sensation it would but even like actual jetpacks are are like a thing now yeah but they're not great right no they're getting great that's the thing there's oh. there's a video out there of a guy flying I think through New York City over traffic and it's more like Iron Man now it's not um, just your, it's not on your back. It's your feet and your hands. Like there's these propulsion things. Okay. I could also be completely making that up right now that I think I saw that. I don't, that makes no sense. Well, I'm telling you, I think that's what I saw. Do you know what else you're getting good at? Robots. Seriously. That actually freaks me out a bit. Those robot dogs that, that were going around the video of the robot dogs, they're amazing. That's cool. I have no problem with robot dogs. I guess I shouldn't say I have a problem with robots. It's artificial intelligence that freaks me out it's a different thing no but they're tied to that right they think that one day they'll have robots that will be able to perform really precise surgery that we cannot and that's cool. right like brain surgeries and things yeah like that. yeah and really stuff that where you just can't move and you have to be super mm-hmm. precise and the robots are precise like uh tonsils <laughs> i had my tonsils though i never did I was in the hospital for five days. It was back in the Why? days when... Well, it was back in the day when they'd keep in the hospital forever. My God. Yeah. Is this in the States? Yeah. Charging your parents an arm and a leg. Well, we were military, so they paid for it. Well, speaking of hospital stays mm-hmm. and arms and legs, I am bringing to you, Riley, a tale today. We promised this, I believe, at the start of season three, that this season would be dark and sinister, and full of evil bad things. Well, Riley, I'd like to bring to you today one of the darkest tales I've told yet. I'm so excited. And I'm not kidding, folks. This actually is maybe, this is right up there with the werewolf of Bedburg. If you are faint of heart, if you are not one for gory details, this episode is not for you. And I'm not kidding. You and I are the same. We often cut graphic gross stuff out because that's not really what this podcast is about exactly we're not that kind of show no but in this case this story is uh it's essential to the story so i'm including it a little bit like the werewolf of bedberg well every now and then we need a little bloodshed yeah now uh i have been fascinated since a young age along with boba fett with vampires in fact my very first episode uh, that i did was the the Highgate the Highgate Cemetery vampire? I still remember that because those two guys, the, those the two dueling magicians. That's the best part of that whole story. It is, and it was when you told me to go look at the guy, and I did, and he, he it fulfilled 
all of my expectations. Yeah, that's, I love that story. It was a cute, yeah, fun too. story. But this one is not cute and it's not fun. And what I this is one I've been sitting on for a long time. It's a biggie in terms of uh, things that have influenced pop culture. It's uh, in you know some very famous, and it's the inspiration. Some would argue of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Now, is this Vlad the Impaler? No. However, this story does take us back to the same region of the world. Today, I'm going to be telling the story of Countess Elizabeth Bathory de Exed, or better known as the Blood Countess. The Blood Countess. Have you ever heard of her? No. Okay. She sounds terrifying. Actually, and well, I'll post pictures of her. She's very pretty in her portraits. She also creeps me out a bit when you look at her. Okay, just before we get started, because you know I'm I'm obsessed with your beverage consumption. Yes. It's too early in the day for you to be hitting the sauce, so it's iced tea, right? Yeah, it's iced tea. Sweet okay. tea. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet tea. Well, for those American listeners, when we say iced tea, we mean sweet tea. Because in the States, it's just like literally black tea that's cold when they drink iced tea, right? Well, yeah, not from where I'm from, but in the oh, South. Okay. In the South, sweet tea. But sweet tea is very sweet. Right. And they have, do you know what? They have sweet tea at McDonald's in the Deep South in um, in the United States. Again, not just like black tea, but with like heaps and heaps and heaps of sugar, right? Yes. Yeah. But sometimes they'll have like peach sweet tea. This is or- the pure leaf iced tea uh, that I'm drinking, the lemon flavored pure leaf iced tea. If there's any listeners from Pure Leaf, we are currently <laughs> looking for a sponsor. Gilbo Foods has yet to send us the promised checks that they've been telling us are coming. So, Pure Leaf, hop on board. Do you know what? I got to tell you, and I know we're off track, but just give me 30 seconds. I actually like <laughs> I actually like Gold Peak better than Pure Leaf. Oh, yeah. Gold Peak is more tea tasting. Yep, I like Gold Peak too. Okay, good. We agree. Yeah, I love iced tea. I just, I'm not a big fan on Nest tea. It's just sugar water. That's right. That's it's how I just feel about fucking it sugar water, and you got to pay a buck for it. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Vampire us out. So, Countess Elizabeth Bathory was born on the seventh of August, fifteen sixty. So, this is the era that we're talking about. Olden times. The olden times. We're in the way, 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 way back machine again yeah. here. This is serious way back. Her family was of the Bathory clan who owned land in the kingdom of Hungary, which is now that in this area would have would be now, you know, where you find Hungary, Slovakia and Romania. She was a Hungarian noblewoman and quite possibly the most prolific serial killer in recorded history. Oh, dear. According to Guinness World Records, she is the highest victim count ever recorded although the number of her victims is debated. Hundreds of girls and women between 1590 and 1610 were allegedly murdered by her. The highest number of victims cited during Bathory's trial was 650, but this number comes from a servant girl whose name was Susanna, who claimed that Jacob Savlasi, who was Bathory's court official, had seen that number in one of Bathory's private books. The book was never revealed, and Savlasi never mentioned it in his testimony. Despite the evidence against Bathory, her family's importance protected her from a death sentence. She was imprisoned in December 1610 within the castle of Cheta. And then there's going to be a whole bunch of, you know, Romanian names that I may butcher. I think I've got that one, uh, the castle of Cheta in, in Upper Hungary, which is now Slovakia. 
650. That so the uh, that's the upward estimation. They think it's probably more around 300. That's some murder. serious killing. That's some serious killing. That's like so that's work. The stories of Bathory's sadistic serial murders are verified by the testimony of more than 300 witnesses and survivors as well as physical evidence and the presence of horribly mutilated dead, dying, and imprisoned girls found at the time of her arrest. What makes this tale not just dark, but weird, are all the stories describing Bathory's vampiric tendencies, such as that she bathed in the blood of virgins to retain her youth. Oh. Most of these accounts were recorded years after her death and are considered unreliable. However... Her story quickly became part of national folklore, and her infamy persists to this day. And some insist, as I mentioned earlier, that she's actually the true inspiration behind Bram Stoker's Dracula. That he kind of amalgamated Vlad the Impaler and uh, Elizabeth Bathory to create his Count Dracula. All right, so Elizabeth Bathory was born on a family estate in Yerbatur, Royal Hungary in 1560 and spent her childhood at Exed Castle. I'm going to mention her upbringing and her youth because it paints a possible picture of why she became the way that she did. Okay. Purportedly. As a child, Bathory suffered multiple seizures that may have been caused by epilepsy, possibly stemming from the inbreeding of her parents. Wow. Okay. Which is not uncommon with royalty, right? I didn't know that caused epilepsy. Well, inbreeding can cause a whole number of different health conditions. Do you know I was at McDonald's once, and the girl, uh, two people in front of me, had an epileptic seizure, and she fell against. She I'm fell against. I thought you were going to say something else. Okay, no, she yes. fell. Against, she, no, no, it's funny. And she fell against a woman, and the woman's tray was sort of upended, and then the woman immediately became angry and demanded that they replace her fries. Oh. You know what's funny? I, when I was reading about this, I thought so. Something similar happened to me when I was a kid. The first time that I saw that, I was at the local corner store, and it wasn't like a chain. It was called Gabe's. And a kid fell and had a seizure on the floor, and the guy behind the counter started getting angry at the kid and telling him to get out. And there was a pack of, because we would go there because they had video game, uh, like the, you know, the standing. The console, yeah. No, no, not console, whatever they're called. Arcade. 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 Yeah. And there was a group of us, and we didn't know what was going on, but we knew enough to go, this guy's an asshole like and started yelling like leave him alone there's something wrong and then the kid came to and i can't remember what how it but i remember we were like we're never going back there again i bet you did they had gorilla war or gorilla brothers it was like two guys it was an overhead view it was such a good game i don't know yeah we probably did we probably did that's i know i feel dirty and bad man okay at the time, symptoms relating to, ap- uh, to epilepsy were diagnosed as falling sickness, and treatments included rubbing blood of a non-sufferer on the lips of an epileptic, or giving the epileptic a mix of a non-sufferer's blood and a piece of skull as their episode ended. Had you ever? I've never heard of that before. That's just ridiculous. Like I knew they leached and did weird things like that, but I've never but, heard of that. Mm-hmm. This has led to speculation that Bathory's killings during her later life were part of her efforts to cure the illness she'd been suffering from since childhood. However, there is no hard evidence supporting this speculation. You're going to hear me say that a lot, and and it's leading up to something. Another uh, proposal made by some sources in order to explain Bathory's cruelty later in her life is that she was trained by her family to be cruel. 
Stories include a young Bathory witnessing brutal punishments executed by her family's officers and being taught by family members. Though she counted many luminaries among her relatives, her family tree also featured some seriously disturbed kin. One of her uncles, again, it is alleged, instructed her in Satanism, while her aunt taught her all about sadomasochism. Wow. Bathory was raised a Calvinist Protestant. She was endowed with wealth, education, and a prominent rank. At the age of 13, before her first marriage, Bathory allegedly gave birth to a child. The child, said to have been fathered by a peasant boy, was supposedly given away to a local woman who was trusted by the Bathory family. The woman was paid for her actions, and the child was taken to Valachia, which is where uh, Vlad the Impaler did his work. I just love that she hooked up with a peasant guy. She's mm-hmm. like, hey, you, you you there with the, the egg cart. Come on in here for a little fun. And, and, and at a very young age, although back then that was not, I think that was acceptable to be sexually active at that at that age, back then. With peasants. Or girls to be sexually active at the age of 13. That's that's young. But they didn't live long back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had to get it while you could. Mm-hmm. So evidence of this pregnancy came up long after Elizabeth's death through rumors spread by peasants. Therefore, the validity of the rumors often disputed about that. And what's interesting too, this is actually not long after Vlad the Impaler. Like this is less than 100 years apart. Yeah. And it's a dark time and it's a very violent part of the world. And I'll get into that, what, what's sort of going on on a global stage at this time. So Bathory was engaged at age 10 to Count Ferenc Nadasny, a member of the esteemed Nadasny family, in what was a political arrangement within the circles of the aristocracy. But as Elizabeth's social standing was higher than that of her husband, she refused to change her last name, and instead Nadasny assumed the surname Bathory. The couple married when she was 15 and he was 19, in May of 1575. Nadasny's wedding gift to Bathory was his household, Castle of Cheta, situated in the Little Carpathians near Vaj. This could be pronounced Vaj or Vaj. <laughs> I'm going with Vaj, usually. How is it, it spelled? V-A-G. Oh. <laughs> but like with a, an accent. Right. Um, near Vaj, Ujeli and Trenksen, which it would be present-day Slovakia. The castle had been bought by his mother in 1569 and given to Dindasny, who transferred it to Elizabeth during their nuptials, together with the Cheta country house and 17 adjacent villages. So they have quite a large area that they govern. Big estate. Big estate. In 1578, Nadasny became the chief commander of Hungarian troops, leading them to war against the Ottomans. With her husband away at War Bathory, managed business affairs and the estates. That role usually included responsibility for the Hungarian and Slovak people, even providing medical care. During the Long Turkish War, which lasted between 1593 and 1606, which saw the Habsburg Empire versus the Ottomans, Bathory was charged with the defense of her husband's estates, which lay on the route to Vienna. So if you think back to that awesome old Dracula movie, I say old, but the uh, Gary Oldman one, they show the battle sequences that were, you know, where he, where Dracula impales all those yeah, Turkish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. still, the, so the Ottomans have what we now call Turkey. were pushing continuously west in an effort to try to dominate Europe. 
you know, I'm five years old, but every time I hear the Ottomans, I just think of a giant mass of upholstered stools. <laughs> a whole a whole multitude of giant upholstered stools just That would there. have been cute if there are The Ottoman Empire. That would have been very cute. Imagine that. That's what that empire is now resorted to is just something you put your feet on. Well, oh, oh, oh how metaphorical of you. Maybe. Um, you know, a little a interesting side note. They probably would have, there's people that will argue, historians that will argue, that Europe would have been completely swept away uh, in terms of the, the Judeo-Christian sort of dominance in the in Europe if it hadn't been for the Mongols, like Genghis Khan and his sons that continued to lead, because they basically uh, destroyed the Islamic juggernaut to the point where they say they haven't fully recovered yet from what happened 800 years ago. Oh, seriously? And that vacuum that was created allowed the Europeans to gain dominance because the the Muslims were just too weakened by what occurred. They were thwarted. Well, they, they sacked every single major capital in uh, the Islamic world. The, wow. the Mongols did. Anyway, that's a, a side note. So this is a dangerous time. There's a lot of fighting going back and forth. And very much in this part of the world, they are on the frontier of the war. The Ottomans are at their back door. And the chance of being overrun and occupied is very real. And it could be messy for local people if that did occur. Now, every time you say it, are you picturing a big group of big puffy stools? No, I'm not. So the threat was significant for the village of Cheta, especially. It had been already previously plundered by the Ottomans, while Sarvar, which is located near the border of the divided Royal Hungary and Ottoman-occupied Hungary, was even greater danger. And this Sarvar was also part of their, their holdings. They were charged with keeping it safe and running. So her husband's off fighting war. She's charged with running everything. She has a lot of power, you know. And the rules become very gray when people are relying on you to keep the empire safe and secure. They'll let you get away with stuff, you know? My God, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Now, interestingly enough, there were several instances where Bathory intervened on behalf of destitute women, including a woman whose husband was captured by the Ottomans and a woman whose daughter was raped and impregnated. Bathory herself had several children during her marriage and all of them were cared for by a governess, as Bathory had been. Her husband died on the 4th of January, 1604, at the age of 48, Although the exact nature of the illness which led to his death is unknown, it seems to have started in 1601 and initially caused debilitating pain in his legs. From that time, he never fully recovered and in 1603 became permanently disabled. He had been married to Bathory for 29 years. Before dying, and this is important, Dasny entrusted his hairs and widow to a man named Georgie Thurzo, who would eventually lead the investigation into Bathory's crimes. Wait, no, we, we got to stop here. Georgie? Georgie. Isn't it Georgi? Okay. Is it G-E-O-R-G-I? G-Y or G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, G-Y-O-R-G-Y. It's just I can't handle him being named Georgie. And there's umlauts over the O. Like, Georgie? The hey, Georgie. It's it's also it's probably Georgie or I know Georgi. or it could be Georgi. Like I know my my brother in laws. My sorry, my nephew who's half German. Uh, his middle name is Georg, which is George. And yeah, I know because it sounded music, right? There's a Georg in that, so we all know it from that. Yeah. You haven't talked about your awesome brother in law in a long time. 
He's, I haven't seen him for a long time. He's just such a role model to so many of our listeners. There's a, uh, a number of T-shirts we've seen. People are making, fans of the show are making of him, just the likeness of his face. I don't blame them. He's a striking man. So between 1602 and 1604, after rumors of Bathory's atrocities had spread throughout the kingdom, Lutheran minister Esteban Magyari made complaints against her, both publicly and at the court in Vienna. The Hungarian authorities took some time, though, to respond to Magyari's complaints. It is argued that her status and power kept authorities at bay. In 1610, King Matthias II finally intervened because Bathory had begun finding victims among the daughters of local nobles. He assigned Terzo, or Terzo, I'm going to say Terzo, I think it's Terzo. He assigned Terzo, who is the Palatine of Hungary, and her benefactor to investigate. And a Palatine would be like a duke. Oh yes, Uh, fans of fantasy novels like you and me, we know this term well. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Great. Look at this, we finally agreed on something. So Terzo ordered two notaries to collect evidence in March 1610. By October 1610, they had collected 52 witness statements. By 1611, that number had risen to over 300. According to the testimonies, Bathory's first victims were girls aged 10 to 14 years of age. And folks, if you've been listening along going, hey, you know what, this isn't so bad. I think I'm going to be okay with this episode. This is where it starts to get bad. Oh. Be forewarned, and I mean this because uh, this this is a, a trigger warning here. This stuff gets nasty. Later, Bathory is said to have begun killing daughters of the lesser gentry, as I mentioned earlier, who were sent to her court by their parents to learn courtly etiquette. But long before this, local people reported abductions as well. So... There were people that were murdered there that worked there, but there were also people that were being taken out of their homes, like children. And these are all girls? All girls. Mm, There's some kind of weird pathology there. Uh Uh-huh. The atrocities described the most consistently included severe beatings, burning or mutilation of hands. Uh, She was known to use a barbed lash and a thick cudgel to beat her victims to death. She would jam pins and needles under the fingernails of her servant girls. So sometimes she wouldn't kill you. She would just torture you, you know. A common deed was to lock victims up and leave them to freeze or starve to death. And there was one account that described a servant who who, um, said that she did this because she just enjoyed hearing the sound that they would make as they were pleading for their life. So she's seriously crazy. And sadistic. Yeah. Yeah. Another terrible thing she would do would to she would tie victims down, smear them with honey, and then leave them to be attacked by bees and ants. That's just like the movie Candyman. I never saw. They do that, that to him. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. continue. According to the Budapest City Archives, girls were burned with hot tongue, tongs and then placed in freezing cold water, and Bathory infamously created her favorite device, a cage called the Iron Virgin. It was designed after the Iron Maiden, and her cage was molded like a woman and then fitted with blades. So imagine mm-hmm. it um, you know, has a, a hinge. The woman would be placed inside, and then the two parts would be closed, and there would be strategically placed spikes and blades that would not kill you instantly because it would miss all your vital organs, mm-hmm. and then you would, you would bleed out. And worst of all, 
she was accused of biting and eating the flesh off the faces, arms, and other body parts of her victims. Mm-hmm. Although the Count allegedly participated in his wife's cruelties, he may have also restrained some of her worst impulses. When he died in the early 1600s, she apparently became much, much worse. With the help of her former nurse, Ilana Zhu, and local witch, Dorota Senses, Bathory began abducting peasant girls to torture and kill. So the the allegations were that before he died, she kind of did more torturing of servants and things. And then right. the occasional one would die here and there, but she really ramped up. And she really ramped up when her husband died. Right. Because that kind of gave her free Well, there was no oversight, she right? She can, yeah, she's in control. And a lot of the these things too would occur when he was gone off fighting the wars. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. So biting chunks of flesh from her victims became more common, and one unfortunate girl was even forced to cook and eat her own flesh. Bathory reportedly believed that human blood would keep her looking young and healthy. Some servants claimed that she would bathe in her victim's blood, either to keep her skin looking young or to quell her seizures. Allegedly, this zest for blood all started when, while conducting a cruel act on one of her young female servants, spots of blood landed on her, and Bathory noticed that her skin had tightened. And from that moment forward, she became obsessed with blood. Oh my God. It was then that she used the Iron Virgin to bathe in the blood of young female virgins and eat their flesh. Bathory's obsession with her secret eternal youth began to outnumber the common girls in the village. Without hesitation, Bathory lured in young girls from other high society families, which ultimately led to her downfall. Some star witnesses of noble blood themselves named relatives who had died while at her court. Others reported having seen traces of torture on dead bodies, some of which were buried in graveyards and others in unmarked locations. Two court officials, Benedict Desio and Jakob Zavlasi, claimed to have personally witnessed the Countess torture and killing young servant girls. <sighs> I find that hard even reading that stuff. You know what? Um, I think that there was um, a show that ran, I think, three seasons called Salem. And it was the story. It was an, a, sort of an interpretation of what happened at Salem during those, you know, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, there's a character in there that I think is based on this because she had a bathtub and above it, she would suspend a girl with a little tube in her so she'd slowly trickle blood into this bathtub i think that might have been based on this well and as we mentioned several times uh, we've mentioned several times in this podcast also lady gaga's character in american horror story was apparently based lady gaga said that she was basing it off elizabeth bathory oh okay okay yeah Mm. Mm -hmm. so on the 12th of december 1610 Nikola VI Zorinsky, the local count, and her son-in-law confirmed the agreement with Terzo about the imprisonment of Bathory and distribution of the estate. On the 30th of December, Terzo went to uh, Cheta Castle and arrested Bathory, along with four of her servants who were accused of being her accomplices. Dorada Senses, the witch, Elona Ju, Katerina Benica, and Janos Yuvari. According to Terzo's letter to his wife, his unannounced visit found one dead girl and another living prey girl in the castle. Some were half burnt, alive, and noticeably missing chunks of flesh from their faces. God. Yeah. Some argue that this was fabricated and embellished by those who wished to see her brought down. And that might be true. 
Terzo debated further proceedings with Bathory's son, Paul, and two of her son-in-laws, Nicola and Georgi Drugeth. A trial and execution would have caused a public scandal, an influential family which ruled Transylvania would be disgraced, and Elizabeth's considerable property would have been seized by the crown. Terzo, along with Paul and her two sons-in-law, originally planned for Bathory to be spirited away to a nunnery. But, as accounts of her murder of the daughters of lesser nobility spread, it was agreed that she be kept under strict house arrest and that further punishment should be avoided. You okay? I got burpy all of a sudden. I noticed that. I thought you were going to transform. At a delicious lunch. (laughs) So, here's the big question. There's a supernatural element to this story, and we'll get into that, but... What I think is the more interesting and weird thing is, did she actually even do this? Or was she set up? And there's a lot of people who think that she was innocent of these crimes, that this was all a ploy to grab power. Most of the witnesses testified that they had heard the accusations from others, but did not see it themselves. The servants confessed under torture, which is not... I don't know if you're aware of this. It's not credible in contemporary proceedings, Riley. You can't torture people and get a confession out of it. Absolutely. Okay. And a lot of these people were. The, in fact, the, there were the king's witnesses, these, these servants and stuff, and all of them, oddly enough, were executed after they gave their testimony. Oh, dear. Okay. So now there's the, the waters are starting to become muddied. But not all of the witnesses. The people that worked in that castle, right. they were all put to death. What a, Maybe they thought perhaps they were accomplices to it too. Who what knows? What a terrible place to live. Yes, it was. The accusations of murder were based on rumors. There is no document to prove that anyone in the area complained about the Countess. In this time period, if someone was harmed or someone even stole a chicken, a letter of complaint was written. This is a land of law and order. Okay. Now, if you're a servant or a peasant living in that, you know, under her rule, do you think you're making an official complaint? It's not like they have telephones or easy means to get out of that area to make a report well, in a more Also, you're the peasant class. You yeah. and you know that the ruling class would close ranks. You know it. That's right. Several authors, such as Laszlo Nagy and Dr. Irma Sadecki Cardos, have argued that Elizabeth Bathory was a victim of a conspiracy. Nagy argued that the proceedings against Bathory were largely politically motivated, possibly due to her extensive wealth and ownership of large areas of land in Hungary, escalating after the death of her husband. The theory is consistent with Hungarian history at that time, which included religious and political conflicts, especially related to the wars with the Ottoman Empire, the spread of Protestantism. Oh, I'm so happy I said that. I have such trouble with that word. It's a, it's a toothy word. Protestantism. It's a, it's, that's a tough one. That's a good vocal warm-up. It's why I was raised Catholic. Because the word was just too much. It was just too... Catholic's easy. Protestantism. See, now I can't say it. Protestantism. Well, you said it right the first time, and that's what counts. We're super proud of you. Thank you. Now I have to repeat it, though, because I feel like I've lost my spot. Protestantism. Thank you, and the extension of Habsburg power over Hungary. Moreover, Matthias, King Matthias, owned a large debt to Bathory, which, lo and behold, was cancelled after she was arrested. Oh. It's an int- it's interesting, right? So, but there are counter arguments made against this theory. 
The investigation into Bathory's crimes was sparked by complaints from a Lutheran minister, Esteban Magyari. So not he had, he had nothing to do with the, this family or any of the nobility. He's just a lowly minister who, where do you think he would have heard that from? The local people. Right, of course. They would come they to him. They were going to yeah, him. of course. This does not contribute to the notion of a Catholic Habsburg plot against the Protestant Bathory, although religious tension is still a possible source of conflict as Bathory was raised Calvinist, not a Lutheran. So, and just to give you again some more historical context, so the Habsburg dynasty, which is sort of the remnant of the Holy Roman Empire, they are Catholics. Okay. Based out of Bavaria and Austria. Mm-hmm. You know that area, so that's why. And in, in, in you get in like the First World War, the the Austro-Hungarian Empire is is siding with the German. It's all they're all sort of linked together. Okay, and they're very very pro-Catholic. Habsburgs are very pro-Catholic. They needed these other Christian states though to be on side, so there was a an, a, an alliance there, and then eventually they they took it over. But people still practice. Ah, uh, the politics of religion. How lovely. And then even. Between different Protestant faiths, there's no love loss, right? Between Lutherans and Calvinists. So it could be that this guy had it out for it, but it doesn't make a lot of sense that a priest would hatch this plan to take down this countess and say something so outlandish as as this, if there wasn't a great... It's a pretty extreme accusation to come up with. Yeah. To support Bathory's innocence, the testimony of around 300 witnesses... And the physical evidence collected by the investigators have to be addressed or disputed. That evidence included numerous bodies and dead and dying girls found when the castle was entered by Terzo. Sadeki Cardos argues the physical evidence was exaggerated and Terzo misrepresented dead and wounded patients as victims of Bathory, as disgracing her would greatly benefit his political state ambitions. Remember, too, that she is charged with almost providing medical services, so... This argument goes that, yeah, they found people hurt and dying in her estate because she was doing her job at making sure that they were being cared for. Right. And some of them did die. And there's an inordinate number of maybe dying or dead because of the role that she was playing. That being said, too, though, you don't hear of many countesses also acting as field hospitals. But again, on the front line of a ward, it's very possible that that was what was actually well that happening. could just have been her jam she was just wanted to help people and that's where she felt that she would be useful and wouldn't this be like the most tragic thing ever if this was like for real a good person who now lives with this horrible legacy i, I hope it's not i like the spooky version better and i don't think it is and i'll get into that in a little bit on the 25th of January 1611, Terzo wrote in a letter to Hungarian King Matthias regarding the capture of Bathory and her confinement in the castle. He also coordinated the steps of the investigation with the political struggle with the Prince of Transylvania. As Georgi Terzo wrote, Elizabeth Bathory was locked in a brick room with only a small hole built into it to receive food and water. But according to other sources, written documents from the visit of priests uh, in July 1614, she was able to move freely and unhindered in the castle, so what we would today call house arrest. She wrote a will in September of 1610 in which she left all current and future inheritance to her children. On the evening of uh, the 20th of August, 1614, Bathory complained to her bodyguard that her hands were cold, whereupon he replied, It's nothing, mistress, just go lie down. She went to sleep and was found dead the next morning, 
at the age of 54. She outlived her husband. She did. She was buried in the Church of Cheta on the 25th of November, 1614. And this is what I think is interesting. But according to sources, due to the villagers' uproar over having the Countess buried in their cemetery, her body was moved to her birth home at Exed, where it was interred at the Bathory family crypt. I think that's important because if there was no foundation to these accusations, the people who purportedly suffered at her hands, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think they would have acted that way if it wasn't true, if they weren't impacted by it. If this was actually a good person who had been caring for the ill and maimed, I don't think that they would have uh, been a party to this you know, higher political game and, ma- and cared whether she was buried. The fact that they were angry enough that they tried to force her body to be moved and did achieve that tells you what they really thought of her. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Right. Here's the interesting thing. The location, another interesting thing, I should say, the location of her body today is actually unknown. Oh. The Cheta Church or the Castle of Cheta do not bear any markings of her possible grave, which has led some to believe that her body was either hidden or that she never truly died. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna I'm not gonna get into that side of it because that is pure speculation. Of course, there are stories that she is alive or undead oh. to this day, and that uh, you know a lot of the uh, stories and things like that that have come out of that area of the world are actually her and and not you know this Vlad the Impaler slash Dracula that Bram Stoker wrote about. I went back and I did a little bit of reading and research into. Uh, Romanian vampiric lore like what I know that that type of idea exists there but I didn't really know what the actual mythology behind it was oh good this will be interesting it's short but I didn't I just wanted to sort of share this with you Good, it adds to our lexicon yeah so Romania and Transylvania which is where you find you know uh, Transylvania is located within Romania is often associated with vampires but in local folklore vampires didn't exist before the novel of Bram Stoker I did not know that. But they didn't exist as vampires, but instead something known as strigoi, undead souls that rise from their graves during the night and haunt villages, feasting on the blood of the living. Right. The strigoi, sorry, are usually associated with people who had a violent death or in the case of a Christian ritual that wasn't fully respected during the funeral. It is believed that they are afraid of the garlic and incense odor. Uh, in the villages that are supposedly haunted by Strigoi, locals grease their doors and windows with garlic and eat as much as they can. And children wear a necklace made of garlic cloves while they sleep. Neat, eh? What's interesting, though, what's even more interesting, I think, is that stories featuring powerful and dark creatures that suck the blood of humans are not a new concept. They're ancient. Civilizations such as Mesopotamia, Greece, Egypt, among many others, have stories and superstitions told of spirits and and demons that exhibit vampiric characteristics. Even the gods got into the action. And if you look at, like, I don't know if you're a fan of, of ancient Egyptian religion and the the gods of that of course it's fascinating right so um sekhmet was kind of vampiric right okay throughout the european middle ages many countries and cultures had stories of these creatures 
from Slavic tales of immoral people becoming vampires, like Elizabeth Bathory, to the ghostly dragoors of Iceland. Belief in vampire-like creatures can be traced all around the world. And I think this is so interesting, from Africa to 18th century New England and beyond. Many cultures, some that weren't connected, have a belief in these otherworldly, vampire-like, blood-sucking creatures. And isn't that kind of weird? I think it's it exactly is. the same situation with the myth of the dragon. All of these different cultures that were not connected when the myth originally rose up yeah. have this myth of this flying serpent-like creature, and yet they weren't in communication. Why is there this uniformity of um, of myth? And, and I find that interesting. I think with the dragon, it could, I mean, it could be, there could be a, a scientific explanation that there was an animal, perhaps dinosaurs, some sort of dinosaur that, you know, lived long enough for people to see and, and through oral tradition, it became better and better, you know, it became known and, and its legacy lived on. With the vampiric, you almost wonder if it's like um, cannibalism, right? you know, that it was this idea that people who ate other people were ostracized and made into an evil creature to maybe deter people from eating people. Well, it's also such a societal taboo. I mean, my God, it's the ultimate taboo. Right? Yeah. So it's very interesting. Now, my question to you as we wrap this bloody show up is, what do you think? Do you think she was guilty? Do you think she was innocent and set up? If you're going to set somebody up, couldn't you have done something simpler? Um, I'm sure that was a crime that they could have set her up with, like to kill somebody important. Uh, there, there must have been, like that's a complicated setup and it's an un- unnecessarily complicated setup. I'm sure they could have put their heads together and come up with something a lot simpler. Adultery. Well, I don't think adultery would. Consulting with the Ottomans. Like there's witchcraft. a lot of things that they could witchcraft. have done. Witchcraft. Communing with yeah. the devil. You know, somebody mm-hmm. set up an altar in the basement of her castle and boom. For me, it's the fa- the way that the people of under her control reacted. Uh, now, the testimony, I, I would imagine some of those things I described may have been exaggerated. It could have been mass hysteria. Right? Yeah, it absolutely could have been. It could have been just, you know, oh my God, me too. Not, no, oh, oh, and, and to our listeners, I'm not discrediting in any way the me too movement. That's just the words I chose. I love the me too movement. I'm... 100% supportive of it. Woo. Oh. The, um, <laughs> God, Woo. I'm glad. You oh my God. I know. Jesus. Can you imagine? We lose all our listeners. Yeah. And the other reality is that, you know, masters mistreating their servants was not at all uncommon. In fact, beating your servants was sort of an expectation. It was one, it was like beating your, your kids, right. To keep them in line, to teach them uh, proper manners. You know, it was, how you trained your servants to behave was by beating them. So to suggest that uh, that perhaps she stepped a little bit further out of that box and severely beat them and tortured. I love you. She stepped a little out of that box. No, Dan, she, she got in a boat and sailed away from that box. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I would say that if she starts getting into these, the bathing in blood, to me, that, that may have happened. I, th- I do think that there was some sinister stuff with her especially when you consider there was actual physical evidence right this guy goes in and he's right this is a letter that's been recovered he wrote to his wife yeah saying this is what i saw and apparently he was quite disturbed they, like it was horrifying what they found in her I'm castle. horrified listen to it listening to it you should see what the castle looks like too i'll, I'll post a picture of that Pookie as well and it's gray like, and bony yep it's right up there with like cat the 
the Dracula castle. Uh. It's a, a mountain fortress castle and it's, yeah, it, it doesn't look like a happy place. <laughs> I watched a video too recently of a guy going through the, the ruins of Vlad the Impaler's castle and it's ruins. Now you can't, uh, there's no, you know, uh, it's not a functioning building anymore. Very creepy. Really, really creepy. Of course, yeah. That whole part of the world creeps It me is out. gray and yeah, it's, yeah, me too. Me too. It's dark. It's, it's lots of mountains and forests. Teeming with superstition. Yeah. But yeah. they have good cheese what, from that where? part of the world, I believe. It's good cheese and good, you know, like meats cheese. and things. Oh, yeah. Get yeah. a good sausage. So I like to think that we provide balanced content. You know, on one hand, they have lots of uh, demonic things. And then on the other, they've got good cheese. And meats. Brought to you by Gilboa Foods. Known to bring the best demonic cheeses and meats from Every corner of the world, Gilboa fruits and demonic cheese. So you just said Gilboa foods and then Gilboa fruits. I think the listeners and I are confused. What is the name of the company? Well, it's currently a legal battle. I don't want to get involved because I'm not actually, I mean, we're just being supported by that company, but there's a potential name change coming. I like Gilboa fruits. Well, you you call uh, you call them. I'll call John call Gilboa. Office. Jean? John? John Gilboa, but he had a stroke, and I heard he's not doing well. Well, poor guy. He, he hit the bottle hard, though, so, you know, shit happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, Riley, is the end of my story. Okay. I hope uh, you enjoyed that. Yeah, it was very historical. It wasn't too dark. No, it was not. It was. It you was. know what? I thought it was going to be a lot darker. I, I'm surprised. Yeah, you didn't. It doesn't touch the werewolf. It's still that. That's no. That's the jewel in your crown. Oh. Yeah, that one. You know, that still upsets people. The the, the torture stuff. Oh yeah, I, I get I get letters all the time. See, I find that iron the Iron Maiden stuff that to me is really disturbing. Yeah, because I can't think of a worse way to die. I can. Which what? Oh, there's lots of ways. There's. I remember once I read in a book about somewhere in Asia. I don't know if it was China. It's probably China. They were a little bit more brutal, I think, in China. Maybe not, though. I don't know. Yeah, they could be. So they would do this this murder, this way of, of executing you where they would give you opium and then slowly dismember you over time. Oh. Yeah, so they would... Cu- yeah, well, or or uh, flaying. Flaying would be yeah, terrible. Yeah, they cut your foot off and then cauterize it, but you were given so much opium that you'd be blissed out. You know what the Mongols would do if they caught, like, a prince or something? What? Because they believed in their beliefs, their spiritual beliefs, that you couldn't shed the blood of a noble person, even if they're from another place. So they would wrap you up in a rug, beat you to death, and then throw you in like a river. Jesus. That way, no blood was actually, it was blood. I thought you were going to say they would just drown them. No, no, they wanted you to suffer. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We're cheery. Yeah. And and this is the first time that Dan and I, I think, have recorded during the day in probably, what, two years? We've only been recording for a year. So oh, right. We- Duh. Feels like forever. <laughs> I know it's only been. Uh, I don't know. I do, yeah, it's been a long yeah, time. We rarely record during the day. Because last, last usually it's night and you've had dinner and you're usually a bit drunk. I'm a bit drunk and literally 30% of the time I'm actually technically. And I'm usually dressed as a woman. Yes. So this is a whole new vibe for us. It's Denise St. Clair, the lady of the night. That's a good title for me. It's the middle of the day. So it's what? Yeah, it's, you know, it's light out and we look different. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I love that story. A very good contribution to our library of the weird. I think so. I was proud of it. And she's neat and someone I, I've wanted to talk about for quite some time. I like her name too, Bathory. It's a good name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any business? 
Just the usual, folks. Continue to send us messages. We love the fact that uh, we hear from you from time to time. If you enjoy what you're listening to, you know, feel free to share the word of the weird with the world. If you are working in a tourism capacity, uh, whatever city you are in, make sure that you tell people that are visiting your uh, town or city to, hey, while you're here, you should listen to the weird. And they'll say, oh, is this a show that's produced here in your uh, in, in your town? And you'll say, no, but you should listen to it. And they'll go, what? but I don't understand. I thought you were providing tourism for your location. And you'll say, just listen to the weird. What's so hard to understand about that? They'll back up. They'll be a bit nervous. You'll laugh apologetically. <laughs> Just joking. But seriously, listen to the weird. Okay? That's for all my tourism officials listening to the show. What? <laughs> what the hell was that? Jesus. I have outbursts. And it's, yeah. Thank God. I'm not able to perform on stage uh, for a year and a half. This is the only venue I've got. Okay? I know. Same here. G- give me some creative uh, license. Same here. Same here. Okay. <laughs> Let's wrap her up. Uh, we're just under an hour, so that's good. It still gives people time to go out and get a popsicle. Okay. So we love you, folks. Uh, keep on listening. Keep on trucking. Um, that's all we ask. Just stay with us on this wild ride. And uh, I will be hosting next week, next week's episode. And I'm going to tell you time. a tale of a big old castle. Whoa. Big old castle. That's all I'm going to tell you now. Dangling that in front. Is it Castle Grayskull? No. Oh my God. Speaking oh. of which. We were just about to go and now I've no, done No, that. no, no, no. I on? watched a couple of episodes of the relaunch of He-Man, which is written by Kevin Smith. Oh. And it's garbage. Oh. They, I, I he wrecked it. it. He completely wrecked it. He took it too fucking seriously. Oh, yeah. Okay. It just doesn't work. But there's a lesbian, there's lesbianism in it. So, hey. Where did you watch it? It's that? on Netflix. Or is it Amazon Prime? It's somewhere. Um, something. I only have Amazon Prime and Netflix, so it's on one of the two. Okay, I'm just warning you. I was heartily disappointed because He-Man was a um, a favorite of mine. We were sailing off to a nice ending, a nice send-off, and I had to bring up Cass. It's okay, it's okay. We still have a nice send-off. So, folks, we'll see you next week. Bye! Goodbye, everybody. Brought to you by Gilboa Foods. Known to bring the best demonic cheeses and meats from Every corner of the world, Gilboa Fruits and Demonic Cheeses and Meats. <laughs>